1: Good evening everybody and welcome to another episode of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. My name is
0: Callum Gurr and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite George Cup. Hello everyone, this evening Callum and I will prove to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the evening. So tonight we will be discussing is the Irish election result good news for the UK Which of these is the most famous cult car of all time? And lastly, should Sunday trading hours be extended? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week, we asked for you guys to send in your
1: opinions on the question, how can we make our elections more democratic? Uh, And the first opinion we got in is from Harvey. Harvey said, I feel like this is such an overlooked issue, but honestly, they need to make it easier to vote. It blows my mind that in 2020, we still have to either go to an actual polling booth with a piece of paper and vote that way, or we need to send letters in the post to vote. It's so inconvenient. Also, getting new voters on board and registering to vote seems too old fashioned. It's time that there is a digital option for voting now to make it easier and to increase voting turnout. If you work or are at university and lectures all day, it can be really difficult to actually get to a polling booth so you can vote. Our voting system needs a big update to bring it into the modern century. I mean, George, what do you make of that electronic voting as a way of, of doing this?
0: Uh, well, I, I think this it's definitely something to be looked at. But my issue with electronic voting would be that it's something that could be hacked. Um, and the idea of having pen to paper is, is something that is less easily um, hacked. And I, I would argue to the maybe to say that it's I, I don't think that voting is that inconvenient it's not like we have to do it every single day um and there's plenty of warning when a, a general election or a local election is coming up um and the polls are open from 7 a.m till 10 p.m which normally gives um, people a good amount of time to be able to go to the polling stations and um vote in in, vote in the booths and also if you can't make it as i just said um there will be plenty of time and plenty of warning where to say when the election will be and you can apply for a postal vote um or if you're not here you can um, get someone to vote on your behalf um, as long as you go through the council and, and i i i do agree with harvey i think we do need to absolutely make sure we uh encourage more people to get onto the electoral register which means they would be entitled to vote um but the, the issue as well is that i i believe that especially around political parties there is a big issue where they only encourage people to to go onto the uh postal vote sorry to go onto the electoral role when it's around election time and and i think that's wrong we should be encouraging people to go on there as soon as they move or as soon as they are old enough to go onto um the electoral roll so for me personally i don't necessarily think we should be moving on to online just yet. I think if we do, it would be have to be incredibly secure. Um, and and I don't think that there is that much of an inconvenience about going out to vote on a bit of paper. But Callum, what do you think? Am I just being an old fart?
1: <laughs> no, I agree with you. I, I, I'm concerned with the idea of, of online voting because of, as you say, the ability for it to get hacked effectively but also i think there's a real risk with online voting which is is a risk that we have anyway but there's i think it increases the risk that um the the parents or friends of voters will massively influence how they vote because if you think about it currently in the system we have your friends your parents can't actually see how you vote Um, Because of the way a polling booth is set up, it's very difficult for them to be able to see that. So even if you are getting pressured by your parents to vote a certain way, say, you could still go to the polling booth and actually vote the way your heart tells you to do it. Whereas if we have something like electronic voting, do we run the risk then? I mean, unless it's going to be electronic voting in a really managed sense, do we run the risk then of... uh, you know, my mum or dad—not that they would try and influence <laughs> how I vote—but but them looking over my shoulder and, and seeing as I've, um, it, if I'm thinking of this correctly, and it's some kind of app where you do it. So I think there's a risk of it almost being hacked in that way as well, not just in in a really perverse sense of like um, <sighs> criminals basically hacking in, but also with with people just really carefully nudging people a certain way to vote and i i I think that's a risk but i do agree with harvey and of course we do need to try and make it easier to vote um i think how you actually do that becomes more more complicated i mean as you say george i think trying to get people onto the electoral register earlier is one kind of solution Uh, And also, I think just being really transparent about the fact that, yes, you can vote. um, You you can vote all the way from 7 o'clock to 10 p.m. I mean, even when I was working up in London uh, and, uh, you know, we live two hours away from London, I still could vote in the period we've got. Uh, I suppose one other option just very quickly would be that in some countries they don't have um, uh, the vote all on one day. As such they, they might have it over um, a couple of days or or at least on a day of the weekend, uh, and arguably people are more available on weekends because the majority of people work uh, nine to five Monday to Friday. Um, so so maybe that's an option as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, our next opinion comes in from Sophie, and she says, "I know this argument comes up the whole time, but we need a proportional representation uh, voting system." Looking back at the general election at the end of 2015, when UKIP won 12.6% of the votes, but only one seat. No matter if you love them or hate them, that isn't a fair voting system. It fails me to understand how the 2011 referendum was such a failure when surely any voting system would be better than first past the post, which just helps the current establishment keep their seats. That must change. Well, Callum, I know this is just singing from the same um, song sheet as you do. Yes,
1: yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, I, 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 I agree with Sophie that I think it it would be a surefire way to make our elections more representative and and in the sense more democratic as, way, as well. Um, you know, I think I think the case for proportional representation is really clear actually, and I I think the majority of people have come round to that way of thinking. Um, I mean, I guess the difficulty then is agreeing on what proportional system to have, but also in getting the the parties, which obviously the two main parties have a real deep seated conflict of interest, really, in regards to the current voting system. Um, But it's then about trying to convince them and and get them to get on board with, I think, probably public opinion is broadly in favour of... um, making votes more representative uh, at least um what do you think george
0: yeah i I, as as you know i also do believe that proportional representation uh is is the best way to go forward to make our voting system more democratic but at the same time if we look at look at the recent irish um general election which obviously we will touch on a bit later but um just how kind of confusing it can all be with Proportional representation, um, and, and I also believe that if we were to go forward with pro- proportional representation, the, the idea that, and the current style that the House of Commons is currently in wouldn't ultimately work. I yeah. think we would need a completely different setup of how parties then govern, um, because most of the time you would never actually see um, a one party come out top that would then be able to have a majority and govern um, for the said terms. So yeah. we would definitely have to have a look at the way the government is then structured, but. Absolutely. I think in the next 50 years, it will be something that will be changed.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I completely agree. Moving on to um, our next opinion, it's from Benji. Benji says, this might be a controversial suggestion, Kuppinger, uh, but I think voting needs to become compulsory. The amount of my friends who can vote but just shrug and say, oh, I don't vote when an election comes around is sickening to someone like me who wishes I could vote, but I'm too young not voting is isn't an act of participation if you don't want to vote for a party then spoil your ballot but you at least need to show up and submit a ballot alternatively just add a none of the above option on every ballot paper but everyone should have to make that conscious decision or face a fine i mean that is something i think they do do that in in france possibly um they they have compulsory voting or certainly i think new zealand uh, i mean what do you make of that as a suggestion george
0: yeah it's it's something that um they have in australia as well um and one of Callum and mines friends uh, used was in australia a little while ago and he was saying that they have compulsory voting and there is a fine to for you not to vote but he was on a little island just off australia which was part of australia but the fine was um less than getting the ferry over to mainland australia where the polling station was Um, so they just decided not to go and vote because um the fine was less than actually getting the ferry across so if if we are to implement something like that then we would have to make sure that that it's a fine that is affordable for everyone um, and also that it's something that can be supported by everyone as well i i think ultimately you could argue that is everyone's democratic right not to vote um and I, I do kind of agree that there is no harm in going to the ballot box and then putting um none of the above i have always kind of argued and said that if i was to ever to make my own party it would be called the none of the above party because then everyone will vote for that um <laughs> thinking that they weren't voting for any other party um so i i can definitely see where benji's coming from and i think that it is there is potential there but I feel like in a weird way you might actually see more of a uh, less of a turnout than if we the current system we have because I think people will just feel that they're being forced and they would kind of have a stand against the government as it is so I I don't know how it would work necessarily what do you think Callum
1: yeah I mean I think the real risk with trying to force people to vote is that they're far more likely to vote for like a joke candidate then um, which I think is obviously really worrying. Um, and I, I think one other trouble with it is, um, or, or rather wh- one of the other things that you would need to make sure to try and avoid that that happening is, as Benji say, adding a none of the above option. I think that's something we should have anyway, but I, mm. I think absolutely if you're going to have compulsory voting, you should have a none of the above option as well. Right then. uh, Remember, uh, we'll be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that, for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show. And we'll be back very soon.
0: Hello and welcome back to To We Discuss. So let's move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we're asking the question, is it the Irish election result good news for the UK? So the Repu- Republic of Ireland's general election has produced an outcome where no one party can govern alone and where even two parties together would come up short. Sinn Féin topped the popular vote and won 37 seats, while Fianna Fáil ended up with 38, and finna with 35 a number of smaller parties also won seats as well as 20 independents and also quite a few for the greens so callum no one really expected sinfen to do as well as they have done and if they do manage to get together uh, in a sense a coalition in government is that bad news for the uk
1: it's a i think it's a really interesting one actually um i i think the, the thing with um with with Fein is that um obviously that they they've always had a a kind of deep seated hostility towards the u k so so on that level you'd say that it's going to obviously be bad news for the u k if they were to get into government, which i think is actually quite unlikely now. Um, because the the other two main parties, which you mentioned in your introduction, George, have, have already committed against having a coalition with them, and and when um, one of the parties was was saying about p- possibly going back on that promise, as such, they faced something of a backbench rebellion from um, from their MPs in in kind of middle class Dublin areas. Mm. Um, So on that basis, I think it's actually unlikely Sinn Féin will end up in the government. But, of course, there is that risk there. I mean, talks are uh, ongoing at the moment. Um, And as I say, obviously, they've they've always had a hostility towards um, the United Kingdom. They're committed to Irish reunification. So on that level, it's not necessarily the best news for the UK. But I do think we should look at it on the other side as well and see kind of what some of Sinn Féin's policies are. Um, One of theirs is to have a more critical engagement with the EU, i.e. be a little bit more Eurosceptic. Now, given the United Kingdom's just left the European Union, and given we've got a very Eurosceptic government in place, it it might mean that sometimes our interests align a lot more with Sinn Féin and with the Irish government. And, and maybe during the next round of negotiations, we, we can play on that a little bit. But we also have to be realistic and take that with a pinch of salt, given we know they're not exactly a massive friend of the UK. Mm. Um, but another another reason why it could, ne- could be a good thing for the United Kingdom is because... Um, Uh, So in Ireland at the moment, their corporation tax is very low. So it's at 12.5%. In the UK, it's at uh, 19% currently. Now, what Féin are proposing, they haven't necessarily outright said that they want to uh, increase their corporation tax, but they have said they want to clamp down on tax avoidance. They want to um, tax the highest earners more. Um, and things like this. And, and what that could mean for, the, from a UK perspective um, is that to, to foreign investors who, who are deciding between investing in the United Kingdom or investing in Ireland, they might well plump for the UK, um, especially if, say, we were to lower our corporation tax or something like that. Um, and you might say that, that that's insignificant because, um, you know, how much foreign investment do these countries have? Well, in in Ireland, uh, in 2018, their foreign direct investment rose by 52% at the same time as the UK's fell by 13%. So in a in a kind of post-Brexit world and and recovering from the uncertainty about Brexit, that could be really important to kind of regain some of the foreign direct investment that the UK maybe has lost because of that uncertainty. So. You know, on, on that basis, it, it could end up being somewhat good news for the UK you know, from an economic
0: perspective. Uh, what do you think, George? I think, as you've rightly said, Callum, this is a very interesting election result. Um, and as I said in the introduction, no one was particularly expecting uh, Sinn Féin to do as well as they did. Um, and I think a lot of it, in a weird way, um, I, I kind of summarise it with or, or compare it with how the British people voted for Brexit in terms that I think a lot of Irish people were fed up with the centre-right politics that were going on, fed up with the way the party was, or the party that was, who, who was in charge, was, was carrying on um, the way of politics and, and governing. And they wanted change. And Sinn Féin was one of the only parties that were offering that change. Now, I know uh, when the election was going on, I was obviously looking at Twitter and, and how people were reacting. Um, and I follow quite a few Irish people, and, and a lot of them were, that are quite older than ourselves. And a lot of them were saying, ah, oh, all these young people voting for Sinn Féin because you don't know the history of Sinn Féin and, and the associations that they had with um, potentially the IRA and so on and so forth. And I. Yeah. I absolutely um, can understand where they ca- where they are coming from on that, but at the same time, this is a party that I I, I do believe is, and they've they've openly also perhaps admitted it, say that they are not associated with the IRA um, and and so on and so forth, and I and I think it in that context we shouldn't be too afraid if Sinn Fein do come um to power in government and and i do believe that there is potential that they will um if they get the backing of the greens and a couple of it, the independents they will be in power um and i and i also um think as, as callum again has rightly rightly said that this is um fein put forward policies that would actually make them more att- Ireland more attractive to um, Britain than than before because they would potentially push on a uh, on a path to even potentially leave um, the EU and and I think that is good for us and it would mean that we would be able to in a weird way it would kind of pose the argument of us becoming even more united with Ireland Um, and I think that even though the uh, Sinn Féin are China argue and push and saying this is a clear argument for a United Island, I'm not too sure whether that is the best approach and that is the best idea. Um, but given the way this election has gone and given what we asked in our um, previous week's question regarding democratic and, and how we can make sure that democracy is upheld in our elections, how how do you think that because obviously um the irish elections are done on proportional representation how do you think then can we say that this is a fair way of um a democratic election when the two parties that didn't get the most votes are most likely to join a coalition together and then rule when the party that got the most votes won't be able to rule yeah and um... I,
1: I guess that is a, a, an argument against it, in a sense. I, I mean, I suppose a, a defence of that would be that when uh, when voters go to the polls in Ireland, because it's always so likely that there'll be a coalition, they vote for parties on the basis also of who or, or who has already pledged to be open to a coalition with who? So I think the really strong argument that says it's actually right that the most popular party in terms of the popular vote doesn't get into government is that the the two other um, ones that came um, just behind them in terms of the popular vote and number of seats actually pledged not to go into coalition with Sinn Sinn Féin. So I think you know voters who voted for those parties do actually know then um or, or did actually know that that this was going to be the the outcome that they weren't going to go into a coalition with Sinn Fein? so so i think there's the, the the reason why this still is a good case for pr is that there's a lot more transparency about it whereas if you compare it to a uk perspective um if we if we look at the uh, the liberal democrats as an example um they couldn't really ever say they'd whether they'd go into coalition with 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 people and and there wasn't really any good transparency i don't think about whether about what they would consider mm. um a, a, and because it it happens or at least it used to happen so rarely it it kind of led to that situation in uh 2010 when the the liberal democrats did go into coalition with the conservatives but a, a lot of their voters were really, really angry just at the principle of going into coalition with the Conservatives. Whereas in a PR system, maybe that that doesn't happen so much because their voters may well have already been informed that they would be open to a, a coalition with either party. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably the argument for it. Um, I mean, t- just kind of having to think about this, I mean... This has been you know, quite a, a, a difficult topic for us, but also I think we've seen a lot of really re- well-renowned journalists and politicians in the UK come up really uh, against a really difficult situation in that our understanding of Irish elections isn't good enough, let's be frank. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's concerning that U- UK politicians and top journalists don't really know anything about our closest neighbors elections
0: um oh you do like to put me on the spot Callum. Uh, i i i don't really know not necessarily because i i think that we respect them obviously as as a their own independent country which absolutely they are um and as such why should we have an in-depth understanding of the way that their electorate works? Um, I think that obviously the re- the result that has turned out recently will, and it has, um, created a lot of interest around it and has made a lot more people engaging in Irish um, politics and, and to see how that process works. And unfortunately, we can look over history and look over the way news works. It is only until something catastrophic happens or something unexpected happens that makes us be interested in the way things work and makes us be interested in such industries. So I I unfortunately think through the naivety of people that we just didn't really overly pay much attention to it. We just accepted the result of their elections and then got on with it. Um, I mean, I would happily hold my hands up and say that I don't overly know the process of elections in France, um, who again, arguably we can say they are incredibly close neighbors of ours. So, um, I can definitely see that, that why there should be that element of worry. But overall, I don't necessarily think that we we should have been too concerned that we don't actually understand the electoral system in Ireland. Callan, quickly, what, what are your thoughts? See, I, I think it is a massive concern
1: because I think in, in pure political terms, it's really... Um, It gives you a massive advantage to know actually a little bit about how the internal elections and the internal politics within a country you're negotiating with works because you can put them into negotiating positions that maybe they don't want to go in, but they know it won't play well with the electorate back home. And so if we actually understand how these things work a bit better, then it's going to strengthen our negotiating hand.
0: Well, wow, that's just the uh, journalist coming out of you. And maybe um, when I'm Prime Minister, I'll employ uh, you as the uh, Foreign Secretary. Oh, thank uh, you. It's all right. And who,
1: <laughs> what do you
0: think will come out
1: on top? Um, oh, God. I think it's people are going to say, no, it's not good news for the UK,
0: mainly. Um, uh, can I have a number,
1: please?
0: <laughs> uh, 60% will say no. OK. I'm going to say... Uh sixty five percent will say no. Um so it is now time for our second storm break of this evening. And remember to vote on this poll is the Irish election result. Good news for the UK and you can do that wizard code at UK forward slash listen and we're we'll back after this. Hello and welcome back. So before that song break, we asked you the question, is the Irish election result good news for the UK? And you guys have been voting away. And the results are, so 58% of you said, yes, it is a good uh, good thing for the UK, and forty-two percent of you said no, it's not. Well, Callum that that is rather surprising. I would definitely, definitely love to know the the reasoning behind um, the yes vote, unless it was obviously our um, clear arguments as to why it might be a good thing. Well, actually, your clear arguments as to why it might be a good thing for the UK. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I said yes, sixty
1: percent, didn't I, George? That's all all right, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, what did I say? I don't know. I said sixty-five. Yeah.
0: But, yeah.
1: Uh, right then time to move on to our third discussion of this evening and we are asking the question which of these is the most famous cult car of all time so cars are an absolute staple of popular culture the human race's relationship with them goes far beyond simply getting from a to b people give their cars nicknames they literally star in movies and owners clubs have popped up all over the country So in today's episodes, we're looking at those cars that we love, but there's no rational reason why we do. Perhaps this car starred in a film or spawned an entirely new category of racing. Whatever the reason, which of these so-called cult cars is the most famous of all time? So there's the Mini Cooper, Volkswagen Beetle, Reliant Robin, Citroën 2CV or the Ford
0: Capri. So, George, which of these is the most famous in your eyes? Well, firstly, Helen, when you were saying about owner's clubs and nicknaming people's cars, I I really thought you were just digging at me there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, no comment, George. Oh, OK, that's fine then. Uh, Because as we all know, my car's name is Alina. um, I did not know that. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I don't pay attention that much, George. Oh, mate, that's nice. so <laughs> out of those i would definitely have to say for me it is the good old gorgeous uh, mini cooper i when i was younger when i uh, was learning to drive i always wanted my first car to be a mini cooper for me it is the essence and the the pure class and classic of the british icon um and you can't get away from the way that it's it's been in uh, certain films everything from um the italian job to even you could argue mr bean's holiday um so <laughs> it for, for me it, it, that is the most famous car that is kind of uh, it's not the best car out there and it, i'm talking about a classic mini cooper not the mini coopers now because that's not a mini cooper that's a load of rubbish um the ones now sorry the the older ones are the pure perfection of classic cards for me um and absolutely I would definitely put that out there. The second one for me is a reliant robin there's you can't get away from the gorgeous three wheeler piece of cheese because it's triangled like a bit of cheese um. <laughs> And uh, for forever with Reliant Robins, they they've always been part of the the culture of the people of the working class because they were cheap to run around, Um, they were reasonably reliable. And also you didn't have to pay much tax on them because they had three wheels you could get away with paying motorcycle tax on them um, And I will never forget the good old classic and comical um, Little clip that Jeremy Clarkson did with the Reliant Robin where every corner he went round he rolled over
1: oh, yeah. um,
0: So I, I would definitely put a Reliant Robin in there and I would absolutely own a Reliant Robin one day I would love to it'd be great um, but what about you, Callum? I know you're not the biggest car fan going. Um, but out of these, which which in your eyes is the most famous? Yeah, now as you say, I'm not the uh,
1: biggest car fan in the world, so it was uh, it's quite surprising, I suppose that I, I opted for this topic. It was actually it was <laughs> kind of what my my dad suggested to me, and we were talking about it um, in in the car a while ago, and and I thought actually, do you know what? This is actually a really kind of interesting discussion. I, I think for, for me, the most famous of these, or, or, or my favorite one, I suppose, is the Volkswagen Beetle. Um, I mean, my mum my used to own a Beetle, and um, so I'm biased in that sense. But if we think about, you know, Herbie, and I'm sure there's other films that have, or, or I mean, there's multiple Herbie films, I believe, and, and there's also other films starring the, the, the Beetle, I don't think you can get anything that's that's almost more iconic in terms of looking wise. Um, may, maybe um, maybe not quite um, the the kind of newer versions of the beetle, but I think some of the the classic ones are really really um, stunning's the wrong word to use, but <laughs> you know. Yes, really unique, exactly. And for me, I think really out of these options, there's only really three you can make a, a particularly strong case for. Um, I think the Mini Cooper. You're absolutely right to identify as potentially. I, I I suspect it will come out on top on this one because I think it is more, much more famous than Mini Cooper, and obviously, I think there's a lot more of a fandom out there for 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 the Mini. Um, but also the Reliant Robin, as you say, I think that's another one that is absolutely iconic. I mean, my uh, great-granddad had a Reliant Robin, hmm. I, I, I do believe anyway. Uh, and, and I think back in the day, as, as you say, George, I mean, um, you, the taxes were lower, but I think also, and I don't know if it's still the case now, but I think you used to just have to have a um, a license for, uh, a motorcycle because of the fact it was three yep. wheels very correct um so <laughs> i mean th- that's just the b- a bizarre piece of trivia i think that really does kind of add to this this cult-like status of it and, and let's make no bones about it none of these cars here are objectively particularly good cars are they i mean they're <laughs> they're not um <sighs> particularly fast they're not particularly reliable they're not anything you'd really want in a car yeah i suppose all of them have really stood the test of time um in a way Mm. um so so i guess you know i I think they are really iconic all of them in that sense i mean which of these do you
0: think is the least famous oh um probably uh i am Probably for me, I'd say probably the Citroen 2CV as much as I do love seeing the Citroen 2CV around um, one of my dad's very good friends has got a Citroen 2CV that comes out. It's called Daisy uh, my a little car um <laughs> i but i uh, for me it, it, it doesn't hold that much speciality to me but um because if i didn't have the three above that i well there aren't robin or mini cooper i would then go down to the ford capri because the ford capri for me is that kind of it was in a lot of films it was a baddies car it was the rock and roll car it was the car that also everyday people could afford because it wasn't that expensive when it first came out um, my dad's had many afford Ford Capri and he, this was when I talked to dad about the question that Callum sent me um, he said oh I'll definitely put Ford Capri on there so um, I made Callum kind of put it on there I guess it will um, so, <laughs> yes, did. it's too good a car George it's, it's, to, it's not a, It's not a cult car it's too it good is. It <laughs> is definitely is um, and if there was another option uh, I would have had the Lotus Esprit um but Callum didn't allow me that one either so <laughs> <I> <laughs> so stood my ground yeah I know it's stubborn <laughs> but yeah I what What about you Callum what out of those is the least famous as you said earlier I mean I'm not
1: massive on cars so th- this is more difficult for me to answer but I'd say the Citroen 2cv I hadn't really ever heard of wherever I at least heard of the Ford Capri although I did have to google what it looks like nice. um so, but um, so on that basis, I'd say the Citroen 2CV is the the kind of least famous one there. I mean, what what do you think is going to come out on top? As I say, I think Mini Cooper
0: will, but what do you think? Yeah, I definitely think the Mini Cooper is going to come out on top. And I will just quickly also say that all of these cars, I would say, are an element of that that culture because if you go to any classic car meet up, you are guaranteed to at least see one of these sitting um, in one of the spaces yeah yeah that's very true right then it's time for you guys to vote away on this
1: poll so the question is which of these is the most famous cult car of all time you can vote at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen and those options again are mini cooper volkswagen beetle reliant robin citroen 2cv or the ford capri and we'll be back very soon Hello and welcome back. So before the break, we asked which of these is the most famous cult car of all time? And you guys have been voting away. So 37% of you said the Mini Cooper, 36% Volkswagen Beetle, 13% the Reliant Robin, 9% uh, Ford Capri, and 5% the Citroën 2CV. So nothing really unexpected there, George. I mean, I I expected that uh, the Mini Cooper and Volkswagen Beetle would be a lot higher
0: and the rest i mean are you surprised um i'm surprised at how close the uh, vw is up on the heels of the mini cooper
1: yeah yeah uh, i guess i mean it, it ha- both of them have got a massive fandom haven't they yeah i mean they are really iconic looking vehicles at least
0: yeah that is very true right let's move on to our fourth discussion and we're asking should sunday trading hours be extended so small shops in england and wales can open any day or hour whereas shops over 280 square meters which i'm just going to class as big shops can open <laughs> on sundays but only for six consecutive hours between 10 a.m and 6 p.m and they must close on easter sunday and must close on christmas day um the reason i haven't included scotland in um when i said england Wales well, is because there are no uh trading hours restrictions in scotland whatsoever so I suppose I could ask, should we follow in uh, Scotland's footsteps and not have any restrictions on when people can open on Sundays? Callum, what do you think?
1: I uh, See, I think this one's quite difficult to, to, to know the real right answer. But my hunch is that, yeah. that we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't be looking to extend Sunday trading hours. Because as much as, as a consumer, I think it's it's annoying when you know if i want to go for a big shop on a sunday i i either have to go early or if not i have to go to a little tescos as such i i do find that a little annoying sometimes but i think it it's good because that they aren't always open because it allows some of the staff a a day or not a full day but it's a a time when they definitely won't be rotated on to do work I mean in reality because you still need people to replenish the shelves and things like that it doesn't always completely work out like that but for some members of staff it's it's really good um, the fact that there is at least a day where it's a lot more restricted compared to what we used to so I think on that basis we have to keep some kind of semblance of that tradition
0: going what what do you think george well um i don't think this question's hard at all i think we should absolutely not extend the trading hours for shops i even believe that we should go back to uh when i was younger um when shops didn't open at all on sundays i i currently think that it's absolutely disgusting that we open shops on sundays that, wow. that are, are big enough um i think that yes for a consumer it can be difficult because um it, they're not open at certain times or whatever but ultimately we know when these shops are open we know when their shops are closed and we should be allowing retail staff to have at least a Sunday off at least be able to have that break of Saturday, not in Sunday back in on Monday um, because in most industries that is the timetable of work. And and I don't think that there, there should be that big issue of having shops open on Sundays. And we have seen many big retailers like Sainsbury's Tesco's uh, Marks and Spencer's get over that loophole by making their, I'm going to call them mega stores or supermarkets into um, little kind of shops that you have in the high street so that their square footage is under a certain amount. So they can keep open on Sundays. And I personally think that that is wrong. Um, uh, Firstly, because I think they are taking business away from smaller shops. um, And secondly, I, I just don't, it doesn't sit comfortable with me going into shops on Sundays. I very, very, very rarely go into shops on Sundays. I will never visit retail stores on Sundays because I don't agree with it. I think those staff should be off. Both Callum and I have both worked in retail and I and I don't think that we should be allowed that Sunday off. So uh, I'm being very old fashioned and I'm saying go back to how it used to be. <laughs> See, I, I find it really funny, though,
1: because I, I know this has happened multiple times for a fact, George that me me and you have gone to the cinema uh, and we've drove over on a Sunday to go into the big Sainsbury's and go and buy some sweets at the (laughs) cinema, and then we both moaned that the Sainsbury's isn't open. So I don't think you're quite as uh, as morally (laughs) conscious as you like to think you are
0: sometimes, George well callum i forgot that we did that um but as well that is ultimately being british where we go to things expect them to be open and then we can moan about them so that's my argument for that yeah it's capitalism sort. i think that's that's the conclusion oh god Are we, i don't think we've got enough time to discuss that callum
1: <laughs> no i don't think we do
0: And how do you, uh, we're going to have to move on to it already. How do you think our listeners are going to be voting on this? Do you think they will be agreeing that we shouldn't be extending trading hours?
1: um, I think they're going to say they shouldn't be extended because there might be a few of them that do work in retail shops and like to have Sundays or parts of Sundays off. What about you?
0: yeah I, I think that um it will be quite a high vote for shouldn't uh, be extending the those hours but there is only one way to find out and that is by you guys voting on this question should sunday trading hours be extended and you can do that wizardbrain.co.uk forward slash listen and we'll be back after this final sun break Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked, should Sunday trading hours be extended? And you guys have been voting away. And you have said that 32% of you say that, yeah, do you know what? They should be extended because I want to go and have a sandwich when I want a sandwich. And 68% (laughs) of (laughs) of. 68 of you said no. We should not extend them. They're fine how they are. Callum, I suppose that was expected, wasn't it, really, that result? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we both
1: um, roughly predicted that. I mean, as I say, I think probably a lot of our listeners, maybe even if they don't actually currently have jobs at these places, their friends might well do. Um, and um, Or they might have aspirations to to get a job there eventually. Um, And I suppose also parents working there and things like that. I just think in general um it is nice to have that kind of semblance of the tradition um in terms of sunday trading hours being much more reduced um but yeah i mean you're not surprised by that at all are you
0: george no not at all not to everyone for <laughs> my wisdom uh <laughs> right so uh unfortunately those gentlemen it has got to that time of My where callum and i have to say bye bye so thank you very much Uh, for listening to To Be Discussed with Karpengur. We really do hope you've enjoyed this episode.
1: So, as mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like you to send in uh, your questions, actually, for George and I to answer. So you can send in those questions by email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, that's at radio. So remember, we want you to send in your questions for George and I to answer, and we're really looking forward to answering those next week uh, but it's now time for George and I to say ciao for now so I've been Callum Gert and
0: I've been George Cup. thanks very much for listening everybody we'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of To